gorgeous and welcome to Titty Talk the podcast. I'm your host Cass Maynard and I want to get to the bottom of everything up top. I'm all about helping women feel more confident and connected to their feminine flow. So join me as we explore everything from implants, explants, body image, femininity, self-esteem and self-love. If you've got titties or know someone who has, then you're going to love these intimate conversations. Today, I chat with the beautiful soul, Dale Lata. She is a mummer of two and owner of Mooney, a breast wellness brand that creates products to help women get handsy with their boobies. Dale was diagnosed with the BRCA2 gene and decided to undergo a double mastectomy a few years back. This was all to lower her risk of breast cancer. She shares so much of her wisdom and heart with us today, so I hope you enjoy the show, beautiful. Dale, welcome to Titty Talk, the podcast. What a pleasure it is to have you on. You are such a role model and inspiration for so many out there, and I'm just so grateful to have you on, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Cass. I'm so stoked. Any opportunity to talk about boobs, I'm there. Um, I think you're doing wonderful (laughs) things by making titty talk more mainstream. We can all benefit from a bit more boob banter, I think. Absolutely. And here we are. (laughs) So I'm going to jump straight in and, and ask you who Dale was growing up. Like where, where do you come from? (laughs) Um, I come from Tassie originally, um, and like many of us end up migrating to warmer parts of the world, but yeah, I started life in Tassie in a little coastal town as a big tomboy, really. Um, I was an only child, but I have, my dad is one of seven, so there were always plenty of cousins to be, um, ripping around with. And yeah, we spent most of our times on most of our time on bikes, riding through paddocks and spending time at beaches and just yeah, like so much outdoors, so so much outdoors. And um, wellness was always in my life. Mum was really big on health and good food, and you know, always going off to the naturopath or this and that. So it was always kind of in my realm. And um, so that kind of probably led me on to doing a few different wellness related career paths along the way. Yeah. So great. And so you were diagnosed with the BRCA2 gene. Am I saying that correctly? I hope yeah, so. Yeah. It just kind of gets um, referred to as BRCA, but it is BRCA2. Okay. Yeah. And okay, there's a great. BRCA1 as well. Okay. And can you talk us through what exactly that is like what the gene is and the two and the one yeah so both of them um relate to the same body parts um i think most people would relate it to the gene that angelina jolie carries um and that is the reason that she went on to have a a mastectomy and reconstruction a few years ago and it was in all the magazines then um so people who test positive to BRCA one and two Um, carry a genetic fault which predisposes them to a really high risk um, of breast cancer and an elevated risk of ovarian cancer as well. Um, My dad passed the gene down to me, so it's from my paternal grandmother who had breast cancer in her mid-30s. She's still alive now, 
Um, but then the the kind of realization that she carried that gene led all of the family and children to be tested. Yeah. And how did you feel when you received the news that you did have the gene? Uh, to be honest, it was it was really tough for a bit. It's kind of crazy to be given forewarning for something that you don't have but could have at any time. So it's like yeah, yeah, you're fine now, but at any moment you might not be. And as you get older, your risk increases. So you just kind of feel like you're a sitting duck and you're on tenterhooks, like so aware of the fact that you might not be okay, you know, tomorrow or in two years' time. So it's it's just a really weird knowing. But at the same time, I think I spent too much time on Dr. Google, which has never... <laughs> never a good move um and yeah and then that I don't know it raised all of these things like oh now that you now that you're positive to this gene mutation do you want to have children and do you want to get married and did you know you're not entitled to life insurance because you're too much of a liability it was just a it was just a really confronting time um as someone in my late 20s at the time and you know just footloose and fancy free and then it was like, oh, hang on. Um, so it took quite a while and lots of my own research and going to different kind of looking at Eastern and Western medicine and the different approaches. And then I kind of worked out how I could optimize my own health through diet and lifestyle. And, and now it sits okay with me. Um, and I kind of feel lucky that I know and that I was able to take proactive steps uh, because ultimately we're all exactly. predisposed to things, but it doesn't mean that they're ever going to affect us. Yeah. So when you obviously found out you hadn't had kids, you weren't married at this time. So No. That probably fast-tracked things a little bit because they did say, you know, if you're if you're anywhere near that time of having babies, then that's what they would recommend doing. Just so then, because it does affect all the baby-making bits, oh well the boobs and the ovaries they just say you know get your family out of the way so then you can focus on what you need to down the track um and some of the treatments that they offer or the risk reduction options out there um are like a tablet form which then stops you from being able to conceive for five years after taking it or something so it just depends on what kind of route you want to take so for me it was just have babies naturally and then tackle whatever needed to be tackled down the track so you did tackle something after you had your second bub you went into surgery and had a double mastectomy yep i did yeah yep very brave and amazing so can you talk us through that uh decision it feels weird saying that it's a brave thing to do it just um i don't know it just seemed right at the time i think you just got to listen to some pings and I had breastfed my baby boy for 10 months at the time and, and, you know, and then after that I went in and had a mastectomy and reconstruction and I think I was just sick of feeling like they were ticking time bombs Um, because after getting the diagnosis I then had to go in for six monthly screening. So every six months I'd go into the Peter McCallum Cancer Institute in Melbourne and have an MRI and different various tests done. And so it was just always so top of mind for me that, you know, sooner or later I'd probably find something. And in the end, it was just a decision to lower my stress levels, I think, just to remove that from 
from being an issue. So that then took my lifetime risk of breast cancer from around 80% likelihood to 4%. And that just oh was a huge and sigh of relief. I bet. And so they remove all the breast tissue. Is that correct in the operation? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, we're all probably, until we go through something like that ourselves, we're all so naive to what it actually means. But yeah, it's a pretty intense operation. I think I was under anesthetic for about seven hours and I had little boobs. Like there wasn't a lot to remove, especially post breastfeeding. They were kind of like empty wind socks. <laughs> um, but that still took a really long time because they have to remove every skerrick of breast tissue so you are literally left with just skin what they call skin envelopes and so that's why nowadays you can have an immediate reconstruction depending on what surgeon you choose uh, which I did so that you come out with a body that resembles your former one yeah so they remove under the boob so like yeah, the scar so under the nipple kind of down below yeah like yeah yeah so it's like an under boob yeah. scar, yeah, you can do that. There's other surgeons do it differently through the nipple. It also depends whether you're keeping your nipples. A lot of women with the gene decide to remove the nipples too because there is a chance that they, they could become cancerous, but it's, it is a, a low risk and something that I'm mindful of, but I decided to keep mine. It was really important to me. And so, yeah, under boob scars, first the, the breast cancer surgeon comes in and removes everything. And then the plastic surgeon comes in and does the reconstruction, whatever way you've chosen to go with that. Um, so for me, I had, yeah, I went with implants. Um, I kind of shopped around surgeons a lot and I ended up getting two legends who, who work a lot together um, and they treat a lot of young women with the BRCA mutation. So um, for me, I went with implants for... The aesthetic outcome, there are other options, but for me, a fat transfer wasn't possible because I didn't at the time have enough fat to put in place of my boobs. Um, and there is a chance that I think it's like something up to 60% of the fat doesn't take. So it, it comes with a lot more risk and chance of needing to go in back back in several times for revision surgeries and things so so that was the decision that sat right with me yeah and that's in an important piece is that it's what works for you and what your intuition is telling you you want to do and I think there are lots of options to do so much out there you know there's different doctors you can go to and different people you yeah. can see but it's it's about okay tune into how you feel and how in that moment what feels right for you so that's right. Yeah, and it, it's just so amazing. It doesn't have to be forever either. I've just decided that, you know, it'll be, I'll just keep a really fluid frame of mind about it. And, you know, some women just choose to stay completely flat chested afterwards. It's, I think it just depends on where you're at in life as well. You know, I was 32 and it was, it was really confronting for me to consider that that would be how I would look in bathers and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's so dependent on your stage of life I think whereas if I was a lot older I'd probably be like yeah whatever I'll rock a different look but for me for now this is this is it yeah absolutely and I I mean even though I've had my implants removed I'm 100% not against any kind of surgery something like that to for you to feel confident and that's 100% like it's a big yes and 
yeah, I think that's that's right. Like you can always change your, you know, down the mm. track. You never know what's going to happen. So you mm. could get the fat transfer, you could replace the implant, or wherever you're at. So yeah. it's just stages of life. And have you you haven't had any issues with your implants? No, I haven't had an issue at all. Um, Great. Apart from the fact that you can see them a little bit of puckering depending on what position I'm in. Um, it's just a visual thing. And that's only because I have literally none of my own fat or tissue over the implants. Um, the only thing that I've really noticed is that because the surgeon used part of my pec muscle to keep the implant in place, it just prevents me from being able to go so hard on like push-ups and certain exercises. So that's the only real thing I've noticed. My health hasn't been affected at this point. Yeah, excellent. And how many years ago did you have that operation? Uh, four years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Working with my cycle has completely transformed my life. And I want to help you do the same. I've created a free mini course, Move With Your Cycle, that will introduce you to my signature method on how to tap into your feminine power, activate your flirty feels, and unleash your biggest, brightest self. You'll learn how to work with your body rather than against it, match your workouts to each phase of your cycle, support healthy hormones, and tune in and nurture your inner queen. All details can be found in the show notes, and I'll see you online. So I guess the big takeaway is ladies, get your boobies checked. Totally. Or not even just getting them checked, but just get to know them better. There's such a, there's still such a stigma around women not feeling comfy, even touching our own boobs. Like they're somebody else's, like our partners or our babies, but not ours. Um, And so then when we're faced with the idea of, Uh, like checking our boobs for lumps it becomes this really scary process and it doesn't have to be like a search and destroy mission if we were more in touch with our boobs and the way they look and the way they fluctuate through the month then it's it creates a better piece more peace of mind and so then if we did notice a slight change it would be a calmer kind of you know process because the, the fear factor is gone. We're in touch with ourselves and our intuition. And yeah, it's just only good things can come from, from knowing our boobs better. Yeah. And I, I love teaching the whole connection to body piece because it is forgotten and women have forgotten how to connect with their bodies. Yeah. We live up in our minds and, and that's where that's so much, you know, fear if something does come up or so there's a change, it, it's yeah straight to fear and guilt or shame or those kind of emotions rather than, yeah. okay, no, I know my body. This is how I'm actually feeling about it. And I teach even moisturizing your body is so important and the loving intention behind that. It's like touching and spending time pampering yourself in that way. Same with with your womb space and also your titties. Um, So can you now let's cue your business, which is amazing. (laughs) Let's talk through that process and where that came from and now what you're preaching to women out there. 
Yeah, thank you. I, I guess after my boob stuff happened, I just realized realized that someone needed to meet the rising need of a natural breast care range that would inspire women to, to do what we've just spoken about, to be proactive about preventative health and breast wellness and um, to look after ourselves in a, in a nurturing, self-care-focused way, and that might as well be me. Um, so Noonie came about, it was really for two reasons, selfish reasons, really. I developed a scar serum after, like, looking on the market for something to treat my own scars with that wasn't full of nasty shit and I couldn't find anything and it just seemed like such a contradiction to be to be doing something for my wellness and then have to be treating my scars with toxins and and it just didn't make sense to me um so we developed a scar serum to help treat surgical scars so you know, it, it is effective on other scarring, but ultimately my aim is to help women who have had any sort of breast surgery, whether it be what I've had or after cancer treatment or explants or implants or breast lifts, pretty much anything that people have got going on with their boobs. Um, scar serum is just that natural, beautiful botanical serum to help correct. Um, so what it, it what it does is just lightens. I found that my scars were really quite raised and red and pink. And, and so it just lightens them and makes them smoother and less visible, which for me was important. I know some ladies love their scars as a, as a visual kind of testament to what they've been through and their strength. And that's epic. Um, but for me, I just wanted to minimize them a bit. Yeah. And I used... Yeah, I used the serum after my explant operation, which was so amazing because that's when I really started to connect with my new old boobies was in that massaging process of the scar and just, you know, touching, feeling and, and yeah, creating that connection. So it yeah. is such a beautiful ritual and I, it is so important for women to do this with their breasts, their womb, their body and for you to create such an amazing product that is safe, natural and beautiful and it's byron bay made hello yeah right <laughs> no extra magical yeah, <laughs> um so is. yeah so you, so the other thing that i decided to create was the boob oil so i've got the two products the mm. boob oil and the scar serum so because it kept playing on my mind after my surgery that the genetic at the amount of women contracting breast cancer from a genetic fault such as myself is only 10% of all, of all breast cancers. So that means that the vast majority of women aren't aware that they should be keeping in touch with their girls better um, and that it's, it's not actually just a disease for older women. Um, you know, there's, it's never too young to start a breast care practice. So... That's yeah. As a result, boob oil was created as a as a tool to help massage yourself um, in a really positive kind of wellness focused way. Um, and there's so many benefits to self massage. So it's just it's so brilliant hearing feedback from women saying, "Ah, oh, you know, I, I used to put it off." I never wanted to check my boobs, but now it's like a little ritual that I, I look forward to every few days or I don't get hormonal tenderness like I used to when I, you know, women that have had 
really sore boobs during that period. They're noticing that that has shifted um, because what it's doing is stimulating your lymphatic system and it's popping, pushing fresh blood flow into the area. So instead of it being this kind of stagnant area that we don't want to touch, we just pop our boobs into our bra and leave them be. It's just, there's just so many benefits to, to doing so for our overall health. Yeah. And what about pregnant bellies also? Totally. Good? Yeah. It's just this <laughs> um, little side niche that seems to be happening where women are like, yeah, but I use it for my belly. So totally, Cass. Um, yeah. It's good for blossoming. Yeah. yeah I'll, get you. I'll, get, I'll hook you up, girl. <laughs> there's um, bums, like blossoming boobs, bums, bellies, the works. It's just a really nourishing oh. oil for you, for sure. And when you're breastfeeding, like okay. in between feeds, because, you know, mastitis is nobody's friend. And if you're making sure that your milk, milk ducts aren't blocked, then you're just going to have a much better experience. So it's great for that. Oh, tips for the mummers <laughs> to be out there. Or yeah. That's good. I like that. Okay. <laughs> Onto it. Because even mm. my nipples have started to get dry now. And I'm at the like 14 week mark. My partner yesterday was like, oh. What's going on? And I do like put oil. Oh, mm -hmm. the changes. Yeah, <laughs> God. It's real. Okay. Strap in, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm in for a fun ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you have any tips on how women can feel more confident in their own skin? Um, I guess personally and, and speaking about my boob kind of journey, um, first of all, I had to learn to reconnect. Like you were saying that you had to reconnect with your new old boobies. And it, and it was the same for me. I, and it took some doing ultimately it was through carving out moments of time where I would just massage my boobs and with boob oil and, and really try to be conscious of looking at them and in the mirror and acknowledging that even though they were different and they were they were void of the same same kind of sensation. They were a bit far apart and a bit hard and a bit ripply. They were, they are still mine, you know. For a while, they just felt like imposters. Um, so yeah, it did take some time to connect back. And I think that it goes deeper than that because you, you know, there's a lot of beliefs that if you're massaging your boobs, that's like Taoists believe that that's your heart center and massaging your boobs releases chemicals that promote love and compassion and, and self-love as well so I, I really think it you know there is it's like killing two birds with one stone you're really you're connecting with yourself on a more superficial level aesthetically and then a really deeper sense of, of reconnecting as well um, but I think that wouldn't have happened unless I was really conscious of of it you know I could have spent years just ignoring them and being like yep they're just my new boobs but I don't really like them but I, I had to really focus on hey I kind of need to spend this time um you know and make them feel like me and so yeah treating my scars as I said was another part of that like it was for you that um nourishing mm -hmm. self-love time um but I think in terms of what we can all do um it's just, yeah, checking in with our, with our boobs all the time, getting handsy, um, just not only for keeping our skin nourished and the blood supply flowing and the breast tenderness at bay, it just, and then 
you know, when you do do a little bit more of a thorough check once a month or whatever, um, it's just a, a positive kind of loving moment in time. Nothing scary. Yeah, so beautiful. And you've got two kitties and I guess instilling on them about positive body image must be huge for you now. Yeah, I guess it, it's a big topic. It's the pressure, <laughs> the pressure to create these humans that have got perfect body image and self-love going on. And I I do want my kids to have a deep love for themselves and, and you know, um, embrace uniqueness. And, and I think it's so awesome that in this day and age, we are more aware of all of this stuff and that it's, it's okay to feel feelings and it's okay to look different and um yeah it's it's a big shift even from when I grew up I think definitely Same. um I, yeah so I, I think I try to make sure which most of us I'm sure would but make sure my language is always positive about our physical attributes and and I have to laugh at what I've created when when I hear my kids talking about mum's big jiggly strong bottom or something like that like they're, they're being really positive <laughs> about the fact that my bottom's strong and big and uh, <laughs> but it's oh. it's good you know because I never stand in the mirror and be like yeah well it's a bit floppy or a bit this they don't hear any of that they don't need to their little minds don't need to be aware that that, that people can be you know self self-deprecating about the way they look and I think also I want to teach my kids to be in tune with themselves. Um, so when I notice them getting agitated or trying to punch each other's faces, I'm like, okay, so let's have a little think about why we're at this point. <laughs> and do we need to go and have a little read for five minutes or do you want to put on some kids yoga or, you know, there's so many more tools that we have too at our disposal now. Like kids are down with meditating and they're doing it at school and, you know, they're, they're, tapping into themselves way more than, than we ever did or knew how to um and then I think my kids see me needing to take time out whether it just be like dry body brushing and having a bath it's like no this is important mummies need to recharge and we all do and so they're from a young age they're going to see that that's an important part and it's not some luxury that you that you only do once or twice a year you know it's just normal Oh, bingo. This That's so important. And this, I, I talk to mamas all the time that they are last on the list to receive anything, any mm -hmm. kind of self-care, self-love, any time. And it's always an excuse of, no, I've got to do this, got to do that. It's like, no, you actually don't. You have control over where you spend your time and what your priorities are. And we need to be number one because without that, once we're, if we're not full, we don't have the energy to give. So we're going to be giving from a much better place if we have filled ourselves up with that love and self-care. Um, and I always say like that's, a, that's when you're giving from a loving, joyous place rather than a resented, tired, like all of those negative feels. So totally. I love it that you mentioned that. Oh, yeah. I'm no, I'm absolutely no expert. And I even, you know, post things about self-care and putting yourself first. And I still don't always practice what I preach, but I can see it in my parenting and, and even as a, not in my mum space, but just as a human, you just aren't the same when you haven't nurtured yourself. And you're right, you get resentful and snappy and reactive. And 
um there's that saying about you know the the more nourished the tree the better the fruit and it's so true so true um and do you have any final words about boobies or bodies or anything really (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i could chat to you all day about stuff and things i think um i guess i guess regardless of what you've got going on with your boobs just take the time to check in with them regularly in a loving self-care focused way and like i keep saying breast checks don't need to feel like a search and destroy mission and we need to shift away from that that kind of idea or concept that you've got to kind of pull on your rubber gloves once a month and you know feel your boobs in a certain way it doesn't have to be like that and this is preventative care and it should be an enjoyable part of our self-care routines and we need to prioritize our boobies like we would any other part of our health our dental health our gut health breast health is a thing Great parting words. You are just such a beautiful human, Dale. Thank you. And I love the Noonie Instagram page. So I will share that with the listeners because it's so positive and beautiful and it does just make you feel good when you look at the page. And that's the kind, that's what you want to be looking at if you're looking at social media every day. Thank you, Um, honey. Thank you so much for coming and sharing such amazing wisdoms and I love you and everyone else will too now that they know who you are. Oh, Cass, (laughs) thank thank you. you. Such an (laughs) honour. I'm so stoked to have been part of your podcast.